Nobody asked for this. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Nobody Asked for This, the podcast that is just another podcast about movies. I, I am no, I, I'm the <laughs> I'm the lesser knowledgeable host of this show, William, and then Aww. my more knowledgeable and incredibly photographic memory-ish counterpart, Steven, is on the other line. Who are you? I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh. What were we talking? Oh, movies. Right. Yeah. Those things. Movie films. Mu- movie films. And, and entertainments. Yeah. Yes. So we're back. Another episode. Yes. Even though nobody asked for this, here we are. Yep. So uh, on this one, we didn't really have exactly what we... Uh, or we don't exactly have something specifically about film to discuss, but you've been watching some stuff on Netflix, I understand, that you're pretty interested in or passionate about. Yeah, well, you know, during these these times of uh, of the COVID-19, I've been uh, kind of just shut in, not sure what to do next, so I'm kind of just distracting myself with movies and things about people who kind of have it worse off than me, you know? Like, it's just kind of a like a, a relativistic type of thing and i was watching uh i saw a recommendation for this documentary on netflix called abducted in plain sight Ooh, and it's uh this it's so bizarre it seems faked but it's not it's about these families it takes place to the 70s in pocatello idaho which is like super white super mormon super rural suburbany and just i guess super dumb because this involves <laughs> uh, this guy. Okay, there's, it's about these two families, the Brobergs and the Birchtolds. And the Birchtolds move to town, and they move next to the Brobergs, and they immediately hit it off. Like, the dads are friends, the moms are friends, all their kids are friends. You know, the, the Brobergs have three girls. The Birchtolds have, like, five kids, boys and girls. And then all of a sudden, you know, obviously, Bob, the the dad of the Burks tolds, the neighbor just immediately fixates on the oldest girl, you know, next door, like, uh, really awkwardly, but because they're all so super sugary, sweet suburban, you know, it's one of those suburban neighborhoods where you don't lock your doors, which I've never encountered before ever, you know, like dude, lock your doors. Um, they're just like, Oh, it's just weird. You know, it's a weird mentorship, I guess is what it turned out to be. But all the while, he's not just grooming the daughter. He's grooming like the whole family because he kind of starts a a sexual affair with the mom, you know, to sort of have like blackmail uh, stuff on him, on her. Oh. Uh, Kind of just setting up, setting that up as like something to, to, like a chip to have later, you know? And then he even, he, and this is how, and literally the dad, Mr. Broberg, I just can't. By the end of this documentary, I was literally screaming at, at the TV, just, you are a stupid man. Every time he was on TV, it's, it's a talking head interview thing, uh, you know, with uh, footage, like reenactment footage. And uh, it's just every time his face is on TV, it's like, you are a stupid, stupid man. Just, I couldn't help myself because he, like, he goes fishing with the guy, the two Bobs, they're both named Bob. And uh, evil Bob is like, hey, you know, I, and I'm sorry if this offends you here, William, but he's like, hey, I've got this huge erection I can't do anything about. Could you just like jack me off real quick? 
Like, no joke. I don't understand what's wrong with that. I mean, every time you and me are watching Star Trek together, I ask you. I mean, you well, know, just because you, you haven't done it ta- doesn't, the, you know. The Tasha Yar episodes, you know, it's hard not to. But anyway, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> but, like, these are, like, two like two Mormon guys. And the way that the guy is explaining it in retrospect, he's just, it's like, how how could you even, like, any other man would have just been like, dude, go into the woods and take care of yourself, right? Like. So he's got blackmail. He's got weird sex blackmail on both parents. So he proceeds to kidnap the daughter. He's so trusted by the family that he's like, I'll just, I want to take your daughter horseback riding and I'll pick her up from her piano lesson after school or whatever. And they literally disappear that night and are gone for four days before anyone in the family thinks to call the cops. Okay. And so he's got a motor, he's got her in a motor home. They're going South to Mexico and after he's you know he's drugged her to to knock her out so he can just get away with her he he ties her down in the bed in the motorhome and then talks to her through an intercom to sort of brainwash her or convince her that she's been abducted by aliens okay and that and that <laughs> she she's been chosen she's actually half a, it's like uh, out of this world you know to, her dad her dad is an alien uh but not voice but her real dad according to the voice to the voice on the, the intercom is an alien and it's it's like the plot to a super bad b movie and she you know it's her destiny to mate with bob evil bob to create a <laughs> a, a savior for the alien planet and she has to do so by six by the time she's 16 because she's 12 at this point i mean this all sounds like very straightforward logic so far i'm waiting for right. the problem this is, steven yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it gets so much better or worse because they get they get to mexico where apparently the age of consent is 12 at this time in the mid-1970s which i've never heard of i don't know uh, he gets legally married to her there they've, they've been gone for 34 days and so when he decides to come back he's like you have to sign a document the parents have to sign a document to let me legally marry her or let our marriage in mexico stand in the united states otherwise i won't bring her back and it's like they finally get him to bring her back. And then, and then he's like, okay, you got to drop all the charges. Otherwise I'll, I'll let everyone know about our affair, about our you know, weird sexual history with each other. And I'll blackmail you and embarrass you out of your straight Mormon community. Oh my God. And so they, they literally, they, even though he's kidnapped their daughter, he's lit- he has completely violated her without being graphic because she was, she willingly was, you know, she was brainwashed into thinking it was necessary to save an alien race, the, the Plognosians. I don't, I don't know if there was ever a name for it. And, uh, but okay, it get. I'm not done, William. You could, you have any questions? Uh, I mean, I'm just trying to soak it all in, really. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so okay, so they they did sign the paperwork to say, yeah, go ahead, your your marriage flies, come back. They didn't do that. They didn't go that far, but okay. they did sign a waiver to drop all the charges. Okay. Okay. So they, um, they made a compromise there at the and, very least. And they keep cutting back to the guy who was like the federal prosecutor or the FBI agent in charge of this for like Idaho, Montana or whatever. And he's just dumbfounded. Like, what the fuck? What parent would do this? So next evil bill goes to some fake psychiatrist who writes a, a note saying that uh, part of his treatment should be that he he gets to sleep in the the girl's bed four nights a week. 
Oh my and god! Listen to and listen to tapes about that are like they're like subliminal tapes or whatever about uh, taking care of a young girl or something like that. what what a noble thing it is to take care of a young girl. And it's like and the, again the parents just do this. The parents just let him be alone with their daughter. And the whole time she's still like, when do we get to escape and go save this alien race? Like she's brainwashed forever at this point or like permanently at this point. And it goes on a couple more years where this guy is just allowed to live next door to them, by the way. And uh, the, the guy, like the psychiatrist excuse is, well, he, he, he and his sister were abandoned as kids and he was the only one to raise his sister and they went through so much that he's just permanently imprinted on like he has to take care of a little girl or something like that. And it's like, bitch, you have five kids of your own. <laughs> like that's no, that is no fucking excuse. And so again, he is somehow allowed once again to kidnap the girl because she wants to run away. She's still convinced she needs to run away with him. And uh, so he is somehow able to get her out of Idaho to Southern California, enroll her in a Catholic girls school. And he does this by convincing, he uses a fake name and all that. He convinces this girls school, the, whatever the administration is, I don't know if it's nuns or not, that he is a CIA agent. <laughs> is it, and that is his, this guy, his dog, is this guy like MacGyver? Can he just get like, can he, he just put together whatever, or does he have like yeah. psychic paper, like Dr. Who? And he just shows people an idea of what the fuck ever. I, I, well, all throughout the documentary, he's like Ted. He's described the same way as Ted Bundy. He's just so charismatic that he gets he gets to you. And then in the intervening, in between kidnappings, he literally he took the affair with the other white, you know, the, the girl's mom, like full bore, like they they banged, so so he could drive a wedge between her and her and Good Bob or Stupid Bob, and uh, you know, but he's got her. Literally, he convinces the nuns or the priests or whoever is at this Catholic school in uh, it's like a, it's like Pasadena it's like not even completely rural or tore back it's in the suburbs of southern california that he's a cia agent he's on deep cover and he needs no like if anyone comes looking for my daughter it means they're uh, russian terrorists or kgb and you have to call me immediately and so that way he could live in salt lake city and keep her in California and like visit her every once in a while, but still keep her away from her parents and the law. And this went on for over a year. Jesus. So, so this guy just sets (laughs) sets up this thing to sexually be with this now, what 13 year old girl? 12, this is happening when she's ages 12 to 15, basically. Jesus Christ. And, and, and just gets away with it. Like, yeah. Okay. By complaint, you know, he gets off with, you know, insanity, please. And because of the whole, the psychiatrist signed off on the fake explanation about his little sister or whatever. And and also the stupid, like, again, I am literally shouting the screen, you stupid, stupid people. How could, you know, like one kidnapping, what, like just even the whole thing about I need to spend a few nights a week laying in your daughter's bed with her by myself with her, like just. I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> who who is that fucking naive? I don't uh, get it. Apparently, well, I well, and it might it might not just be being naive. I mean, it, it could be that these parents were so haunted by the idea of this guy harming their their daughter that they were all, also themselves brainwashed into doing whatever the hell he said. I'm not defending them, but I'm just saying maybe that, that's maybe that's it. 
that yeah. or they were just too embarrassed to admit how stupid they are. That's true because I mean, church and and so, social, yeah, church and and social standing is really, really, yeah. really, really important to a lot of people. So it really could have been that. Too. Well, it's it's uh, Pocatello, Idaho, in the seventies, which is, I guess, very small town. You know, it's not, it's not a tiny town, but it's you know, it's uh, suburban town, people, USA. Like people know your business, and I guess if you're all Mormon, you all know your, each other's business. Uh, I don't know. That's pretty. But crazy. it's just so, like, it's just so nightmarish. And the the thing about mechanically about the documentary itself is it has all these reenactment scenes, like you would expect. In like a unsolved mysteries episode or America's Most Wanted, but the what they do is they they probably just shot it with a regular digital camera, and then they put a like a they went into uh, Final Cut or Premiere Pro and just put the overlay over it like like it looks like old sixteen millimeter or old eight millimeter. Oh yeah, just the the film skip with like, and the grain and everything. There's there's grain and like haziness, you know, and all that and. It also has like around the edges, like the the gate, the film gate, or whatever. Like, but it's the same pattern every time, like the same back or border. Yeah, it's like just like every border. every few seconds you see it's the like exact same. Clearly, this artifacts. was just run through. Yeah, this was run through After Effects, <laughs> <laughs> and it's also presented in widescreen, which sixteen millimeter would never be in in sixteen by nine. So it's also it's just like off putting, like you. Just, you know, you gotta you gotta make your documentary you know mechanically accessible. I guess is what I'm trying to get at, and it's that's a little weird. And it's weird how all the interviews are conducted. Like none of the family members, they're all you know all the the three sisters are all in their you know fifties now, and uh, but and the parents are still alive, but they're all interviewed individually, like mm. never together. So I'm like pretty sure like the parents never got back together and. Probably one of them just was tired of how stupid the other one was. Yeah. I can't get over it. It's just so. I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> use that word. I don't. I, I will say someone is ignorant or someone like has not been informed or somebody is just being you know willfully you know partisan or something depending on the conversation. But I don't use the word stupid that easily. No, but these people deserve it. I can actually. I can actually stand up for that. I, I actually in the in the time knowing you, I've heard you out of out of judgment or anger say the word stupid maybe twice. You know, that's like yeah. that. I, I say stupid like at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I'm I'm not kind with it. That's 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 like my go to word. Well, yeah. well, okay. So this so that uh, absolute debauchery of a social social situation that it got its own documentary. That's that's pretty cool. Um, little girls and and alien masters and all that. Um, it sounds like it would make a great kids movie if you took out all the rape. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's just like. You know, you remember Extreme Teens, right? Right. For everyone hearing this, Extreme Teens is not a porno. Um, we thought it was when we turned it on, but it turns out it's just a very lighthearted, terrible, crappy, well, budget kids we, movie. We were hoping it was. Yeah. But, you know. We, yeah. yeah. Set the bar Sorry. really high. Um, but no, well, so... I mean, the, the, so rather the, deceptive title. And description on the back of the box. That whole scenario is incredibly bizarre just for the facts that you're saying. Like, the parents just let stuff, you know, fly, and psychiatrists signed off on this stuff, and he's convincing people he's, he's members of the CIA. CIA. It, it has all the aspects of, like, a yeah. weird kid's adventure movie if you take out all the horrible parts of it and just take out, like, a guy is trying to actually 
help alien masters or it's, something. That's what I'm saying. Is like it, it. It's almost like I want to make it into a lighthearted family romp to counterbalance well, it and get it out of the world. Because it involves uh, like a you know a 70s era brown and orange carpeted Winnebago, it reminds me of Escape to Witch Mountain. Oh my where, god! Which also involves a middle aged man <laughs> who could who appears appears. To the uneducated, you know, to an unknowing person, it appears to kidnap two teenagers to take them away from Los Angeles, and it's like, <laughs> yeah, it could, yeah, maybe, maybe he got his ideas from that. I should correlate the release <laughs> of that movie with the dates of the kidnapping. I don't know, man. I really want to watch Mac and Me now. Um, <laughs> well, I speaking of Alien Masters, I, I'm going to move on to something a little more lighthearted um, for okay. my little contribution to this to this thing. Uh, we will definitely come back. I, I want to circle back to this. I just I need something else right now. <laughs> so you're, well, you're watch that watch that documentary. It's on Netflix uh, I, with your wife and I, see see what happens. Just see what your reaction is to it. Uh, if, if the movie... Because I didn't... I couldn't... If I explained it detail by detail, like I explained maybe a third of what, what these people did to each other, uh, you'll just... it'll It's mind-blowing. Okay. I, I, I'll i definitely <laughs> add it to the queue. I have some time this weekend. Um. Well, but one thing, I, I've been hitting up on the old Netflix, Netflix, Net, Net, Net movies. Uh, I tried to sound cool and that just like rolled over and died. But... Uh, did you by chance happen to watch any of uh, this nice little Netflix original cartoon called The Midnight Gospel? No, I've never heard of it. All right, but you have heard of Drunk History, as I know. Oh, yeah. I love Drunk History. And via that, you've heard of Duncan Trussell. Trussell? Trussell. I think so. Okay, he's the one who's usually kind Mm -hmm. of... uh, I I don't mean this as a criticism. This is just as accurate of a representation as I have. He's is he in the is he in the reenactments or is he the one getting drunk? Uh, both. He's been in both. Oh, um, and he's the one who he's kind of star childy. He talks about like mysticism and and like a, a lot of his stories have to do with like mysticism and fake magic and science and things like that. Anyway, uh-huh. he he's an incredibly funny guy. Um, I, he's one of my favorite hosts for Drunk History. Well, he is co-writer of and voices the main character in this cartoon, uh, called the Midnight Gospel that, that Netflix is doing. And Heather and I have only made it through a few episodes so far, but I'm actually incredibly intrigued by it. So it is mind, like mind destroying blatant existentialism. Um, talking about things like what's a good drug and a bad drug, you know, what is, what is death and, and what does death mean for you as the person who sees it, you know, versus the person who's going to eventually go through it and like all these things, like very deep top topics. Mm-hmm. And they talk about them in a podcast style. It's just people talking to each other. But all of that voiceover is laid over the, smo- the most ridiculous, absurd animation going on in the background. Oh, like there's a... Like a- there's shorties watching shorties almost but but they the, the characters are, are actually talking to each other basically the plot of it is there's this uh person person named clancy and he puts his head in this thing called a world simulator and it shoots him off to these simulated quote-unquote simulated versions of earth and he goes and he just talks to the first person he finds pretty much for his podcast um so like the first one he's he's on earth and the white house is being attacked by zombies and he's talking to the president about what is a good drug and what's a bad drug and what it, what drug addiction and drug taking can mean to you. The entire time they're running away from zombies and shooting them and hiding in a mall and all this stuff, but none of that matters. It's, the show is, is kind of awesome because it, it, it kind of puts you 
in the place that what you're watching or not not what you're watching but not what you're seeing is important but what they are saying so you heather and i both fell for it there's a few times where we missed completely what was going on visually because we were so Hmm. enthralled by what they were talking about. I mean, the the conversations they are having are like the conversations you have when you get really drunk and, you know, you and your friend, (laughs) like, get into the existential portion of being really drunk, except except it's coherent and it makes sense. Um, And it's... Uh, I, I I've told you a little bit, you know, when I when I've opened up here and there that you know, like ex- existentialism is hard for me. Um, I don't like to think about you know my own death. I don't like to think about um, you know what what the decisions I've done in my life mean. You know things like that. I I just don't. It it makes me uncomfortable. I like being comfortable in my little in my little chair of ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> but but this show really makes you kind of uh, think. Um, but it's not one of those shows that it's, it's forcing you to think it's, it, the format is really nice because it's, it's placing you in the hands of people who are very calmly, very soft heartedly talking about these very deep, potentially emotionally provoking things, um, Mm -hmm. with ridiculous animation going on behind it. Uh, and like, what, like the second animation or the second episode was hilarious because they're talking about, you know, death and what it means for you and, and thinking that, you know, to be great, you need alcohol because they were talking about how they started writing about their pain and they got stuck on the fact that they need their pain to be good writers. But then they finally got over it knowing they could be good writers without being in pain. The entire time they're getting ground up in a hamburger while this weird clown race is being attacked by masked people in this weird future-esque world where these clown babies are popping out of the ground and singing. And it's, <laughs> it's just so freaking strange. And clown babies. Clown babies. It, they're the first thing and almost the last thing in the episode. Uh, and, and the coolest thing about it, there's this little note at the end of every episode that I really, really like. At hmm. the end of the episode, the universe simulator spits out a pair of shoes. And it's they, they were in each episode. They're minor. They don't really like make it a big deal that they're there. But the, at some point, the character interacts with them or puts them on or something. But at the end of each episode, the universe simulator spits out this pair of shoes and he takes them and he just keeps putting them on a shelf. Like they don't matter, but it's, it's a beautiful representation of he went somewhere and he walked in someone else's shoes for a little bit. Oh, and he now, he now carries that knowledge. He carries those emotions and he carries those experiences with him as the shoes he's walked in. I mean, that's, that's what it meant to me. I I didn't read anything from, from Duncan or any of the other writers about it specifically. (laughs) Uh, but it's really great. Um, I highly suggest it. It's it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful set of metaphors, existentialism, and just gratuitous, violent, meaningless animation all in one. It's it's all the things <laughs> that I love to see in animations. Uh, well, that's cool because you know all the stuff that I like to watch is about is just dudes having conversations about things. Yeah, you know, you, you would like- love Midnight Gospel. Like best of the worst, or even like like Joe Rogan podcasts and things like that, where it's just like honest back and forth, and you learn so much about people and things that way more. I think. Yeah, anyway. I I no, I I agree with that too. I mean, I I don't know the, the mo. Oh, I feel like I'm very connected with a lot of people that I I watch 
online or listen to online. Like uh, you, you mentioned Best of the Worst, which I'm a big fan of as well. Um, you've introduced me to the Joe Rogan podcast, which was really interesting. That episode we were watching while we were getting everything set up at your uh, at your place the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, even like my my online idols, uh, GSP Game Society Pimps. Um, mm-hmm. On their live streams, they talk about themselves and their lives and their feelings a lot. It's not the main conversation, but they're very, you can tell they're very honest. They're also very inebriated through most of it, but. Um, <laughs> That's why I, <laughs> I became a fan and a supporter of Red Letter Media's kind of spinoff uh, video game show for a while. It was called Previously Recorded yeah. with Jack Packer and Rich Evans because uh, their Twitch streams would, like, I don't, you know, I'm sorry, I, I don't. It's not me being condescending. I'm just not interested in video games. I'm not, I don't follow the modern stuff. I think a lot of them are look pretty cool. I just don't, it's not something I want to spend my time and money on right now. But I loved their conversations. And when they would bring in other members of the group and people who don't like video games, like, you know, Mike, as, you know, I'm, I guess I'm kind of like the Mike of the group because I love Star <laughs> Trek and hate video games. <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't say you hate video games because I've, I've... I don't. Talked, I just don't. Yeah. I, I, I've talked about a few and you seemed legitimately interested in the plot. You you seem... Um, a, a lot of people use this as the as a insult, but I, I don't. There's, you know, a lot... A, a term some people use is tourist. You're a video game tourist. And... Um, yeah. And and some people use that as as an insult, meaning like you show up when it's fun and you walk away when it's not. But no, some people like Heather loves to just watch me play a video game that has a very in depth plot and character development and things like that because you know she may not be very good at them or be interested in actually spending the time playing through it. But she likes to know the story. She likes to know the character development. I mean, uh, especially one I think you would love um, if it became a movie. I, I think it would be amazing it's called horizon zero dawn and mm. basically all of humanity gets wiped out because they made these really way too smart pissed off machines so to fix it literally everyone as usual <laughs> well but to fix it this lady comes up with this thing that they make this ai that can deploy terraforming machines and birth out cloned humans to put humans back on the earth after these machines have rusted out and gone away oh and and it's and that's why it's called Zero Dawn. It's the the first dawn. Um, it's a great great uh, uh, story because that partially worked. Some things went wrong, but it partially worked. So you have all these tribes that have developed religions, they've developed cultures, but they're seriously just kids who got let got released from these vaults. It's it's huh. in, it's a really really good story. Yeah. Um, but that, but that's, but that's a tangent. Yeah. I, I just wanted well, to contribute talking yeah. about midnight gospel. Cause that is like, I, I, re- <laughs> I, I highly suggest it. It hurts my brain in the best way possible. Oh, good. Brain hurdy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just brain hurdy. Quit it. <laughs> oh, Rick and Morty. There you go. There's for yeah. emotional existentialism right there. <clears throat> well, oh yeah. The idea that, yeah, the infinite universe theory is, uh, mind-boggling and disturbing all at once yeah that you you may in no way at all matter but at the same time the fact that you may not matter is the reason you matter yeah uh i'm all i'm all just to get deep and existential here i'm all for the idea of infinite universes just what's the point of infinite universes if the same people exist in every universe like that that's where i draw the line so see, it shouldn't I, be copies it should all be ran, <laughs> it should all be random like how 
how can you say your parents banged in every infinite universe, your parents banged and conceived you at the exact same time in every universe, but all everything else is different. Yeah. Or, well, or there's spiders. Uh, so there, <laughs> <laughs> or there's spiders. Um, Giant spiders. I, or, or a bunch of, uh, or a bunch of Cronenberg monsters running around everywhere. Oh God, yes. Uh, well, see, I, I, so here, I'm, I'm gonna get existential right, right now. I'm gonna lay it down. Uh, man, there I go trying to be cool again. Why do I do that? Um, do it. <laughs> so I completely believe in the infinite universe idea. I, I think that there are potentials that you, that you as a person happened multiple times, but I don't think it's infinite past that. There's plenty of universes where you never happened. There's plenty of universes where we're just dust floating in space because something catastrophic happened on a galactic scale. You know, there's, uh, I, I believe that it's, it's, it's everywhere and nowhere all at once. Um, Heather and I, after watching an absolutely amazing, um, online series called Hellier. Uh, I really suggest it. I won't go too much into it now. We'll save that for another episode because it is a big pot of worms just on its own. Uh, but after watching that, because they talked a lot about like what it, what it is for like reality and things like that, I have this idea that there are infinite fractal, you know, universes. Basically, every every single thing that can happen, every atom that could collide with another atom, every molecule that vibrates a certain way, causes a fractal of, you know, what did or didn't happen. Both the, you know, it goes in each direction. So you have this like Christmas tree that's growing Christmas trees that's growing Christmas trees kind of idea. Hmm. Um, but on top of that, I believe I've had this idea. It, it popped into my head while I was drinking, which, you know, is why I have my best <laughs> ideas. But I've I've thought about it more and more, but and I've really started to kind of believe in it because it, it, to me, makes a lot of sense. But I, I've just been calling it the churn. But just uh, envision the universe even in its infinite scale, but just every conceivable dimension all at once is a bubble. And on that bubble is, is another little bubble. You know, like when two bubbles get stuck together. Yes. And, uh, everything that we know or we perceive as existing isn't in either one of those bubbles. It's actually right along that edge where those two bubbles touch because those two bubbles are touching. So everything that ever it is, and ever was flows in and out continuously, but everything we perceive is just that little rim. Huh. Interesting. I know. I'm a crazy person. What's it person. called again? I just call it the churn. Oh, or the series? Yeah. Uh, Hellier. How do you spell that? Uh, H-E-L-L-I-E-R, I believe. I could be wrong about that. Um, it's produced by Planet Weird. Uh, they do a lot of paranormal stuff. Um, if you're not a paranormal, paranormal, par, yeah, paranormal pseudoscience and ultra terrestrial person, uh, it may be a little hard for you to watch because there's some there's some fringe ideas in there. <laughs> okay. I, I don't say that as a judgment. There's some stuff they're talking about, like yeah, okay. And the other stuff they talk about, I'm like, oh my god, you blew my mind. <laughs> so fringe science. Which is another thing I'm a big fan of, but maybe we'll talk about that a different day. Yeah, because <laughs> I could I could seriously go on about the paranormal, cryptids, and fringe science all freaking day. I'll have to come up. I'll, well, that's what I'll do. I'll come up with a list of movies we can talk about on Nobody Asked for This, <laughs> so I have some reason to talk about it. Cool. <laughs> so there there was a third, uh, or not a third, third in the series we're doing right now, but a second show you were watching that you uh, had mentioned to me that you're kind of interested in on Netflix. 
Oh, it's, well, it's not a show. It was just a silly movie called The Death of Stalin. Oh, okay. And it was... Um, Is it about the death of weird. Stalin? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but it's it's a... It's directed by an Italian guy, but not a, a hack B-movie rip-off Italian guy. More of like a wannabe Pasolini-type Italian guy. It's not a spaghetti movie? Um, no, it's not a spaghetti movie. Oh. It's a very sophisticated uh, Loquasto Film Festival-type movie uh, starring Steve Buscemi and Jeremy Irons and Jer- uh, who's that guy? Jeffrey Tambor. And it's basically about – it's a satirization and a, like a dark comedy about the death of Joseph Stalin in 1953 and the, the struggle amongst his underlings for to seize power and to position themselves – as uh, you know, the, the number one guy in the the party, hmm. um, and it's just it's weird. It's weird because I can't tell. I've seen I watched it a couple of times. And I couldn't tell if it's like a sat like trying to get. It's like making it eat like it's a satire like in like Jojo Rabbit, where it's trying to make you make it easier to watch this horrible society and how it's how the per like. It opens up with how the purges were conducted. Like, here's the lists. You go oh, get people, yeah. round, round them up. Um, at, at least the first two thirds of Jojo Rabbit, it got honest dark at the end there. But yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but it's also kind of, to me, it's like if in a defense, sort of a weird defense of the Soviet Union kind of way where it's like all of the accusations about the purges and the lists and the KGB and the NKVD and all the all the gulags and stuff are so absurd that it can only be presented as a farcical comedy. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the cool setup jokes or kind of set piece jokes of it is, is, um, it opens up with a concert on, uh, it's, it's being, there's a live audience, but it's also being broadcast on Moscow radio and, uh, it's a piano concert. And, um, Stalin just happens to call up and say, to the control operator, like I would like a recording of this concert. I'm sending someone to pick it up, but unfortunately, the concert wasn't being recorded. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's like, "Oh shit! I don't want to spend. I don't want to go to a gulag." So the guy's like, "Hey, all musicians, everyone, get back in the get back in the concert hall. Everyone get because it's, it's over. Like, get all the audience back in here." They're like, "Oh, we we can only get half the audience back. So let's get peasants off the street to fill the room so the acoustics <laughs> are right." And then all of a sudden, like they're talking in the control room about like if we had a different because the pianist is like no fuck stalin i don't want to do it he killed my family they're talking in the control room like could stalin tell the difference between two different pianists if we got somebody else and the conductor says no he probably couldn't and then the control room is like are you sure this room isn't bugged and so this guy the conductor thinking he's just said something bad about stalin on a hot mic faints and cracks his head on a on a bucket like a fire bucket or whatever like the fire pail oh yeah the sand pails there in the room so yeah and so they have to find a new conductor so in the midst (laughs) so in the midst of um the last group of lists sent out for people to be rounded up in the purges uh this old it cuts to the ncos old man is woken up and he, he and his wife go to the window and they see outside in the street the the trucks and the people being led away and by soldiers and all that. And there's this super dramatic, like, sweetie, would just say whatever you can to save your life. Don't worry about me. I, I love you. I'll love you forever. And let's get dressed because they're coming for us too. And there's a knock on the door, but instead of, uh, instead of a soldier, it's some dude in a tuxedo, like you're Moscow's best conductor. We need you right away. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's being let out in his bathrobe while all his neighbors 
you know, he's going to go conduct a, a concert while all his neighbors are being led away to the gulags at the request of, you know, Stalin, of course. So it's just, you know, it's that kind of juxtaposition. It's a little funny, but oh man, the rest of it, I mean, it's fun. It's got all these sub pieces in the way that the different members of the party are portrayed by different British actors. It's, it's fun. Michael Palin is in it uh, from Monty Python. He's oh, in it as, uh, as Molotov. Okay. The famous, uh, foreign affairs guy. Well, I mean, Palin and Buscemi, you got you got me like you got me yeah. going now. I, I'm interested. That's like when you it's, tell me Michael Ironsides and something. It's like, okay, when is it on? <laughs> Sold. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> but yeah, well, Buscemi plays Khrushchev and it's basically it's about all the underlings because there's like no there is a, de- a guy who's a direct deputy in Malenkov, but he was such a weak and ineffectual sort of a pussy that he was easily just, you know, easily forced out of power and Khrushchev took over and of course the movie ends where it's like you know at long last after all his scheming and assassinations and demoting people and exiling people Khrushchev is in power he's the sole leader and commander-in-chief until 1964 when he is deposed in the same way by Leonid Brezhnev and it's like and you can see like this is nightmare fucking society and you can say like well you know America our transfer of power is not perfect on the election level, on the party level, yeah, there's infighting and corruption and people are, you know, have blackmail, dirt on them and all of that. But at least that's in an election setting, right? It's not happening behind closed doors while people are in power, you know, while people who are unappointed or appointed to be in power. Yeah. So it's like at least, you know, we have those scenes. We do not have scenes where Obama drags Donald Trump away to be executed or, or vice versa. <laughs> we have, we have every transfer of power is the previous president sits there with a frown on his face while the next president gives his oath of office and a speech. And then they That's go, and it. they both go to a nice dinner. Yeah. And then they both eat a nice dinner. The, the previous <laughs> president flies away in a helicopter for the last time. And uh, you get to hear, I think I always flash back to when Ronald Reagan had Don Rickles do his inauguration it's just like, of course it's Don Rickles. Who else? <laughs> so, but anyway, like, yeah, Death of Stalin. If you if you want a very frustrating comedy, go check it out. Oh, that sounds awesome. Well, something else got brought up um, while you're talking about that kind of like farcical look at things uh, in combination with me talking about the juxtaposition in, in uh, Midnight Gospel of, you know, things not mattering. Um I, I I mentioned this movie a little bit to you um, when I was over at your place, but uh, it just got brought up in my head again because I was telling someone to work about it, and I, I feel very strongly about this film, so I'm going to talk about it a little bit since it popped into my head. But um, The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Bigfoot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and another reason why this popped into my head was, you know, I was joking about, like, you were naming actors, and I'm like, sold, you know, like, I want to watch it. Um. Uh, you've met you've met Travis. Travis was telling me about. Oh, um, yes. He was telling me about it before, and he kept describing it. And, and I'm like, I'm like, eh. I'm like, okay, you know, it sounds like it could be good. I'm not a I'm not a melodrama fan, so you know, uh, maybe I'll watch it. And he's like, yeah, starring Sam Elliott. I'm like, okay, so sold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's all you needed to say. <laughs> you didn't have to tell me the plot. Just tell me Sam Elliott's in it. And it, you had me at Sam Elliott. Yeah, you had me at Sam Elliott. But I finally got got around to watching it, and uh, and and it's it's a fantastic movie, and it's fantastic for the point almost uh, for the same reason as Midnight Gospel, is because there's 
you know, this guy and he did kill Hitler and then he does go and kill Bigfoot. But that doesn't matter. But it's the title of the film. Yes, but that's the joke. In the well, not really a joke, but <laughs> but that's the point of the melodrama is this guy goes his whole life being the guy who killed Hitler, the real Hitler. They make a point of it in the movie to mention that there were fakes. It's like, but he he killed Hitler, the real Hitler. He went through ridiculous feats to do it. Um, and then because he's like the world's greatest tracker, they hire him later in the movie to kill Bigfoot. And uh, it's kind of that suspension of disbelief uh, point in this one because everyone just kind of accepts that Bigfoot is a thing. Um, but uh, but is, the, is the movie really about him getting a wife and kids and moving to the suburbs and eating egg noodles and ketchup for the rest of his life? No. See, that's the saddest part. The whole, oh. mo- the whole movie, the only thing that matters in the movie is this guy, all he ever wanted to do is come back from World War II and marry his sweetheart that he had when he was young. Because they they had they had one of those relationships where you know they, she just met him in a hat shop one day and you know like they're they're like the, the haberdashers the haberdashers <laughs> um it, it, no it really is amazing because they they show their relationship and they're they're one of those couples that like neither one of them is very you know um, prideful or anything like that they're just they just want each other that's all they've they've decided they've wanted in the world is each other. And she dies when he's at the war, or when he's over at World War II, um, behind German lines. And so the whole movie is these flashbacks of him and her, as well as flashbacks of what he did in the war, and then present day of him hunting Bigfoot. And it's all kind of mixed together. And the entire movie, like, like you're trying to think, it's like, well, this guy fights Hitler and then a Bigfoot. Like, I want to know the adventure, but no, it's really this melodrama about how... To Sam Elliott's character, those things don't in any way matter at all. All that mattered no. is he loved this woman and just wanted to come home with her and never got to. And there's beautiful metaphors in that. That There's one in there. It's a very big metaphor at the end um, that they finally you know call on to, to kind of finalize it so you understand. I'm not going to say what it was because it's it's just too beautiful. Um but yeah, that one has a good suggestion for me because it's, it's one of those things like I, I got sold on the a- actor. It had words in the title that, you know, usually make me perk up like killed Hitler and then Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> like if anything, you says, think that would be a bigger deal. You just think that, <laughs> yeah. would, that would be kind of a big deal. <laughs> well, it, it shows him killing Bigfoot. It shows him killing Hitler and it shows what he went through well, to do those things. But but the that's the whole point. But it's, you know, yeah, it's two different things, though, because exactly. killing Hitler, that saves lives. Killing Bigfoot just kills Bigfoot. Like oh. Bigfoot doesn't. Bigfoot is completely tame. He's not responsible for any de- weird death or inside-out cows or anything. I actually, mean, actually, he was. In this, the reason he's hunting uh, Bigfoot is because Bigfoot has a new virus that's spreading really bad, and <laughs> it's it's going to threaten the world well, and, unless he kills. Tell his, Bigfoot to wear his mask and stay I, home. Then, yeah, damn wash, it, wash his goddamn furry hands. No one has to die. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Bigfoot. <laughs> But but uh, that that's the whole reason. Um, and and there's actually, especially with the the point to killing Hitler, Sam Elliott's character does an amazing speech as to why him killing Hitler didn't matter. Um, and no, well, it really is. It's a very powerful speech. Unless unless he killed him before April thirtieth of nineteen forty five, it really wouldn't have mattered because Hitler killed himself anyway. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, fake Hitler. It was pretty did. much too late by then. Fake fake Hitler killed himself. But yeah, that's oh. I, I. I'm sorry. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Oh. I told. I totally believe Hitler. I don't got know. Away there's some, South America. Uh, some idol. There's some eyewitness stuff, though. I don't know. I don't think they're lying. But, okay. Uh, did he did he bend the bullet and he got him and Ava Braun at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> did did it like want There's to no, just... the the bent bullet the that's a thing from X Men, isn't it? The bent bullet. No, that's uh wanted with Angelina oh. Jolie oh, and some nerdy too, guy. Yeah. Uh James McAvoy, who was also in X Men. That's probably why I got it. Oh confused. yeah, you're right. Yeah. He was in X Men. Um, yeah. <laughs> See, photograph. What was the, just like I was saying in the beginning, man. Your photographic memory, like you just you got this shit. Sometimes there's I, there's days I can't remember what I did two hours ago or what I had for breakfast, though. So I don't know what I don't know what my mind is for. What why I think things are important and what I can do to make that useful to the world. Because I think I have a lot of useless information that nobody is really paying me for. Nobody pays me to know about Star Trek, unfortunately. It, it's hard to get paid for the information that a lot of people yeah. don't see as being actively useful. I mean, I, I've found it hard enough getting paid for the information I have that actually is useful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's been a struggle for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's part of it is life, right? Well, struggle right now in the time of coronavirus is everything I'm qualified for is shut down. I'm an events guy. I'm a marketing guy. I'm a radio guy. There's no money in that right now. So... <laughs> Please pay me to talk about Star Trek. Somebody. Uh, <laughs> all right, everyone. That was another take of Nobody Asked for This, another podcast about movies. Uh, thanks for letting us ramble on about some Netflix shows we've been interested in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, with that, I guess um, we'll see you all again on the edge of the bubble. Thank you for listening to our loud noises. <laughs>